Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brewery Ministries podcast. I am here with Heath Parsons. He and I run a brewery discussion group together. We have a lot of people who come to a brewery to grab a beer, grab some food, and talk about scripture and talk about interpreting it. Well, one of the things we do is we make this discussion sheet with questions on it, and it gives some context about whatever scripture we're discussing. And we're going to talk through a couple of the questions from our Bible overview series here for you so you can get a sense of what a brewery meeting is like. But also, we want people to be able to use the question sheet we make to have groups in their homes, small groups, make their own brewery discussion group, stuff like that. So this is going to be the start of a mini-series where we're going to walk through one of our discussion sheets each week, just pick a couple questions. So this week, we're talking about things that we need to consider before we even open the Bible. So what comes to mind, Heath? What kind of interpretation challenges might we run into when we actually start trying to, you know, open up a Bible and figure out what it means. It depends on the Bible version that you typically pick up. Like, is it is it easy to read? Is it like modern English that you're used to, like conversational English? Or is it, you know, typically word for word kind of translation? Some of them are hard to read and some of them are not. What about yeah, you? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I've got a cultural background study Bible and I like it a lot because it will explain some of the things about like the ancient mindset. So it will help me understand how an ancient reader would have read whatever passage we're talking about. And that kind of helps me understand the story a little bit better because like as a modern person, I mean, we just don't think the same way that they do. So last night at the brewery, one of the examples I thought of was, well, what if I said, may the force be with you to a group of people? Like today, they would know what that is. They're like, oh, that's a Mm -hmm. Star Wars quote, right? But what if I said that or wrote that down and in 200 years, somebody found my writing and they read, may the force be with you. What if they didn't know that was from Star Wars? They just looked at those words. They'd start thinking, oh, maybe this means may the police be with you or may some other force be with you or what's the force? Things like this. Mm -hmm. Is it the workforce? So they might actually come up with a meaning for that sentence that has nothing to do with what I was actually saying. So that's why I like having a study Bible that has some cultural context in it, because they can pick up some of those things and be like, hey, this word is a symbol, or this word had multiple meanings, and I at least have a better shot at considering all the options and interpreting them. So what I'm going to do now is on our website at breweryministries.org, there is a link that says free discussion guides. So if you want to use our discussion questions to have your own conversation with someone, you can go there. And in the Bible Overview Series folder, you will find uh, there's two options there. There's a basic study, like basic questions, and then there's like an advanced theology deeper folder. There's two versions of each guide because I like to nerd out a little bit. So if you go on the basic folder, I'm going to ask Heath a couple questions from discussion guide number one. So my first one, we always start out with an icebreaker. It's a little more casual. So this one is, do you find space exploration interesting? And if so, what draws you to it? I nerd out on this stuff like so much. 
I expected the James Webb Space Telescope, for instance, years before they actually launched. Yeah, that's great. I love it. The black holes and stuff, the mysterious stuff of space that we don't know about. That that particularly piques my interest. Stuff yeah. that stuff that life may be out there, you know. That's just that's just one aspect of space. There's so much more to space than just is is there life out there? Yeah, we, we kinda touched on this a little bit last night at the brewery discussion because there was a girl there who was really into quantum physics. So we started asking her she was telling us about black hole studies and she was telling us that if you tried to travel through a black hole right now in a spaceship, it would stretch you. Like something would happen and we don't have a spaceship that can counter that yet or survive going through the black hole so we can't see what's on the other side. But what happens to a person when they're, you know, would potentially be traveling through that? It's kind of crazy and scary to think about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Would you go into space if you had a chance? If I had a chance, yeah, I would. I, I just want to feel zero gravity. That'd be really neat. So here's an even more difficult question. Would you colonize Mars or the moon? Would you join a colony if you had a chance? Mm, probably not. I don't I don't see too much success in a colony at this point. Not without terraforming. Scary, like there's no going back, right? If you get out right. there and you find yourself in trouble. Right. Like if you ever see the movie Interstellar, space is just like desolate. I, I don't like desolation. I don't what know if you? I trust technology. Yeah, like, you know how much trouble we have getting our computers up and running and things like that. Well, if you were in space and you were reliant on technology to breathe, I would be really nervous. I mean, there's got to be like a backup plan for the backup plan for the backup plan. If something goes wrong or you run out of oxygen, the whole colony dies, right? Mm-hmm. Even that if you do have me. a backup plan, it can all go to nothing. I used to want to be the first guitarist in space or like the first rock band, first rock band cool. on the moon. You'd have to have an air bubble, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you wouldn't have sound without an air bubble. Oh, yeah, there's no sound in space. I forgot. I should have remembered that from Interstellar because they've got those spaceship scenes and there's no sound. Yeah, unlike Star Wars where you can where you can hear the lasers. Pew, pew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah imagine that as a silent movie. <laughs> Not nearly as much fun, right? Right. Same thing with, uh, I think, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It was all quiet in space, too. Stanley oh, Cooper. really? That's an amazing movie. I bet that was a big influence for Interstellar. Probably. All right, so now I'm going to ask Heath one of our deeper questions about Scripture. It's going to be number five from the discussion guides. So you'll notice as we go through the discussion questions, they get progressively deeper or more introspective. And so by the time we get down to number five here, I ask, what kind of cultural barriers might we encounter that make it difficult for us to understand what the stories in the Bible mean? We touched on translation issues just a little bit in the intro, but this is a guide we were going through before we opened up the Bible and read Genesis and the creation story. So thinking about the cultural barriers there, what might we what might we encounter that might make the creation story or any other Bible story difficult for us to interpret? What kind of cultural barriers might exist? I think that's a little difficult because I don't I don't know what the culture was back then. So it's kind of hard to tell what a barrier. I guess that could be a barrier. I don't know what life was like. I know what life is like for here in the United States, for me at this current time in history. Even across the world, you know, the culture differences can be astounding. Just imagine what it was across the world 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, we're still learning. We're still trying to figure out how to think like an ancient person, right? 
in some ways. Yeah, one of the things that I'm learning is they had a lot of common symbolism in their day, and we just don't recognize some of those symbols. Like one of the ones that I'm going to bring up on the next guide is darkness was a metaphor for chaos. So when you read the beginning of Genesis and it says there was darkness or darkness covered the earth, I don't necessarily know if that's supposed to be literal, a symbol, or both, because it could just mean chaos. I mean, that's a theme. Darkness means death and chaos in the Bible. So that that is a cultural a common cultural metaphor that they use. So once you know it, you can start to try to plug it into different scriptures. But I don't always know if something's meant to be literal or metaphoric. I guess that's open for discussion, you know? Or both. Yeah, maybe uh, yeah. one of the things I think of is spirit hovering over the waters. Well, what were the waters? In some cases, waters were uh, symbolic of people. Other times, they were quite literally water. Yeah, yeah. So there's several things there from their culture specifically. Water had some different metaphoric meanings. And mm-hmm. if if we don't know that and we just read the story, we might literally just think it's about water. Actually, I was thinking earlier today in Revelation, I'm just going to guess what verse it is because I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's I think it's chapter 21. It says, you know, in the new heaven and the new earth in the future, there will be no more sea. Well, you read that literally, you think, oh, no, there's not going to be no, no more, more water. I can't, yeah, I can't go to the beach. Well, water was a symbol of chaos. Because if you think about their culture, like I, I'm pretty sure that drowning was like the number three cause of death. And they're out there in a boat on the, the wild sea. Like it was scary. So to them, it makes sense that water in the sea would represent chaos. So plug chaos back into there will be no more sea in Revelation. It really means that, you know, in the future, there will be no more chaos. It makes a lot more sense than there will be no more large bodies of water, right? Yeah. Or maybe you don't need water. Yeah. It's possible if it's a, yeah, yeah, it's possible. I guess we don't know what it's going to look like. So we can't rule it out, but it helps to know how some of the ancient people thought about some of these things, right? Would you consider language a cultural barrier? Like how language actually works, different idioms. Some parts may reference other literary works of the time, and we have no idea. Like they might quote something from Bale literature, if there was such a thing, and they do a polemic on it. Yeah. You'll you'll get to some of that in the deeper ones. Well, that's exactly what I was saying about Star Wars. Like if I quote Star Wars and then someone from the future finds it, they might not know I'm quoting Star Wars. Well, they were actually, when when the writers of the Bible were writing, they actually quoted all kinds of other literature from the day, sometimes to make a point, sometimes to critique it. I mean, there's apparently, I just learned this, apparently there are at least five other creation stories from other religions that are repurposed in the Genesis creation story as a critique, like the Egyptian creation story. There are these little hidden references where they they basically quoted it and then they took out the name of that God and like replaced it with, with Yahweh to make a point that God is the actual creator of the universe, right? Like it wasn't that God, it was this God. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know all those other countries' literature. The only way I have a chance to find that out is either if I have a, a study Bible that tells me stuff about the culture, or I just happen to be in a theology class and my professor told us. So then I find out, oh, scholars know these things, but like the average person like me, I would have read that story and had no idea. But it's helpful because then we can think about, okay, is everything in Genesis 1 supposed to be taken literally or not? And if you know the symbols, well, then you can kind of work through, well, maybe some of this is supposed to make a spiritual point, but maybe it doesn't always have to be taken literally, if there's a clue there that tells you that. So I know that we kind of jumped into the deep end here because I, mean, I get excited about this stuff, so it's hard not mm. to nerd out about it. But the idea, at least we want to get across in this discussion, is that there's actually a lot more going on in the text than we might realize. And we have the best shot of understanding what they are trying to say if we at least start to ask questions like, how did ancient people think? And what did they think this term means or something like that? Rather than looking at it like a modern person and thinking, okay, what do I think this means? Because we're the secondary audience. The original audience was other ancient people. So you might not go that deep into these questions as we did, but that's okay. They're just supposed to help you start to think through, okay, what kind of challenges might we come across when we read the Bible? What might we need to consider and things like that? So we're going to wrap it up here. So thank you, Heath, for joining me. And we'll be back soon with an episode on the second guide for the overview of the Bible series. So we'll try to walk you through one of the guides each episode. And again, you can go to breweryministries.org and click on free discussion guides. You can pull those up on your phone or print them off and hopefully start your own group, your small group or house church. We're really looking to find ways to help people make alternative forms of church for young people, people who might not go to an actual church and things like that. So I hope you find this helpful. If you have any questions, uh, email us at breweryministries at gmail.com and we'll see you next time.